Welcome to Pardon the Confusion number 76. I feel very patriotic tonight sharing our podcast. My name is Paul Arnold. I'm joined by my good buddy, Ernest Watts, down from Rockingham, North Carolina. Ernest, do you remember almost two years ago, I started this podcast saying I was going to span the country and talk to my buddies from different states all across America. Do you remember those dark days? I remember those dark days. You, know, you missed, uh, at, uh, with 76, you missed The Music Man. 76 oh. trombones, yes, Robert I can, Preston. I can actually sing that, which is actually scary, because it was one of the few movies I watched as a kid. But you don't well, want me to sing it. I that, that does not skew for this audience, if they remember Music Man. That's We've got right. trouble right here in River City. No, That's go ahead. it. That's it. <laughs> um, so tonight, Ernest and I are back to old days, just the two of us. We went a long time ago to three people in the booth, because like Monday Night Football, we found it was fun. And uh, we took turns being Howard Cosell. And that's another old reference for you people out there. Look him up. Um, and I don't have a toupee like Howard Cosell. Do you have one, Ernest? No. I may have two hairs on my head like Homer Simpson, but I'm not going to. You tried to talk me into shaving 20 years ago, shaving my head. I don't even <laughs> shave my face, much less shave my head. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, yeah. It's I, good, I, though, man. It's good. You, you, people mistake you for being younger or Mr. Clean. I don't know which one I get the most. Uh, no, no, no. Or a genie, perhaps. The genie. live version. Yeah, yeah, the live version. Uh, you have to paint uh, your skin blue, then, if you do that. Okay, so. okay. Then you like a smurf or something. No, if maybe one hair. But no, no toupee for me. No false rug. That's good. Good. Stay that way. All right, so we're coming up on Thanksgiving, and so we're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk NHL to earn a great surprise, and then we're going to talk NBA, and then we'll end with some surprising Thanksgiving sports trivia that you will need to hear to impress your in-laws, your buddies, but probably not your wife. Do you agree with that statement, Ernest? I agree with that. Yes, our wives like sports, but and they love us, but they can only take so much. All right, let's start with the National Football League. Uh, the hype of the week. You know, we're so good at this. We've talked about it in previous podcasts that our country likes to hype up something for a couple of weeks and then trash it for the next two weeks after that. Build them up to tear them down. And this week's latest hype is Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens quarterback. Five touchdowns against the lowly Rams. And they were even chanting in the crowd, what, Ernest? The MVP, MVP. I know. The lowly Rams? They're, they were the Super Bowl finalists last year. I know, but isn't that surprising that a away team is saying MVP to an opposition quarterback who's beaten them down? Not in, not in Los Angeles. Look at how many the games for the Chargers, and they play in a, star, a soccer stadium, usually is populated by fans of the other team. I mean, the Rams, it's been 25 years since they played in L.A. prior to the last two years. So most of the fans have affiliated with other teams. So, no, that's that's not surprising. And there, there are certain teams that travel real well. I mean, like Steelers, Cowboys, no matter what you play, they have a, a large percentage of fans in the stands. So. And now, Baltimore LA, fans are loud, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Than your oh, average yeah. I mean, they've had a team taken away from them. They're, they really appreciate of course, you know, they went 17 years without a team between Colts and the Ravens that do have two Super Bowl champions since then. But I think they travel pretty well. Yeah. And, and Lamar is – it was interesting that Harbaugh had told 
Lamar Jackson on the sidelines, they cut it on video that he said, you know, the amazing thing is for the next 20 years, kids will be wearing number eight jerseys playing in the backyard because of the way you play. Nice. Yeah, and that seemed real genuine, that whole cut um, that they put out. And it seems like a great love relationship. And I was going to ask you, Ernest, do you think this is Lamar Jackson is just that great or he's a system quarterback? I think the fact that he has grown and developed, I mean, already you know, people compare him to Mike Vick. He is a better passer than Mike Vick ever was. He is one of only two quarterbacks to have a perfect game rating twice in one season. Big Ben did it. And he did it the first game of the year against the Bengals and against the Rams. First time to throw five touchdowns in a Monday night football game. Here's the thing that blows my mind. He is number three in passing rating. He is the 11th in rushing in the entire league. Amazing. Top 12. That's it. He's, he has adapted. He is better at reading defenses. Mike Vick never spent that much time reading defense. Now, in in total honesty, we've got to admit Mike Vick lost some years because he was a felon who tortured dogs. But beyond that, he lost the prime of his career. Jackson has developed. Last night, it was an interesting statement. Jackson, and, and probably you caught this, he talked about last year he had a difficult time throwing the NFL football. Right. It is wider than a college football, much wider. And he spent the entire offseason learning how to throw an NFL football. I mean, Fran Tarkenton talked about that 40 years ago. <laughs> All right, old man reference number old two. Old man reference and, and how he had to change his style and development. Uh, Jackson, he's, he's completing 67% of his passes. He never completed 60% when he was in college. Uh, again, he, he's he, – the way he's developed and matured, and of course, people are saying right now he is eighty-seven percent of the offense. Yeah, for the yeah, but don't you think defensive coordinators will find some way to sort of mess him up? I mean, I mean, NFL is too good at making adjustments. And getting to that football idea, I remember the first time I picked up a real NFL football, and I was amazed that weight differential, and then the way it sort of when you threw it right, it almost hummed. It, it almost like. Uh, went up and down and, and the spiral was better than a college football. Do you, do you agree that as well? It's easier to throw a sidearm with a college football because you can get a grip on it. But again, if you throw football, the best way to throw it is you got to have a little gap between the palm of your hand and, and the fingertips. And with a pro ball, because it's so large, a lot of people put their hand flush against the ball and that's where you get the wobble kind of the duck throw in that respect but yeah it's it's a lot different in the extent he, Do they still call it the duke yeah it's still duke it's still named after the uh wellington mara who yeah. was the owner of the giants right because he was wanted a standardized football yep yeah, that that brings out a difference between nfl and in college ball in college ball you play with a different football the visiting team brings their football and the away team I mean, the home team has, and they got two different footballs. You could have a Nike and you could have a Spalding. Right. In, you know, Spalding? in the NFL. Do they still play with Spalding? Well, that's the Voight. You want me to say Voight, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Nike. 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 There we go. Okay, there we go. And in pros, except in New England where you can deflate them, uh, you play with the same football for both teams. You know, except for the K-ball, which is the kicking ball. Hey, but you know, I digress. I Lane digress. Kiffin actually deflated balls before Tom Brady did. I mean, there's a story out about oh, that. It, it goes way beyond. Way that was 
fifties and the sixties, they used to get these, uh, they used to supply these really worn footballs for the kickers, right. you know, the, the seams about off cause you'd get more, uh, bounce, but you know, you kick it and you get more of a spring effect to it in that respect. But back to Lamar Jackson. All right. Well, I have a theory why Lamar is doing so much better this second year. And you've already heard probably on TV, oh, he's gained this extra weight. He went, had to redo his throwing motion. But once in a while, I think we need to pay attention to the assistant coaches because it, he has two of the most experienced assistant coaches. I looked him up. The offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, has mm-hmm. been in the NFL 22 years, and he had his most successful years under the other Harbaugh in uh, 49ers. And so he's come, and now they have a great balanced attack, rushing and throwing. And the other coach that's really helped him is James Urban, who has 16 years NFL coaching experience, and he comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. And he's been around with both Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick. So they really put the right two guys with Lamar to get him where he's at. And the courage of Harbaugh midway through last year when they let Marty Mowingway go, who was the offensive coordinator, and brought Roman. Roman was an assistant, but made him the offensive coordinator. And they were able to revamp the offense to kind of fit his needs. And the constant thing you hear from people, the naysayers now, because people say, oh, defenses will figure it out. They figured out RG3. Well, that's not really what happened. Uh, Schottenheimer put, uh, not Schottenheimer, but uh, Shanahan put RG3 in a game when he had an injured knee when he shouldn't have. Or he's going to be like Donovan McNabb. Well, McNabb got beat up so much, and then he kind of wasn't that accurate a passer. Or they're going to figure him out like they did Cam. Cam just got beat up. I mean, he's physically worn out. Everybody brings out these guys, but no one ever remembers. They're saying running quarterbacks don't make it. Russell Wilson's doing pretty good these yeah, days. Yeah, he is. He's doing great. And and Russell learned to run out of bounds and how to slide. And I think Lamar will learn that also. I I, I think I think he will develop. I mean, that's it. I've seen the ability to change. Vic would not change. RG three would not change. The other guys did not adapt, and I think he will adapt. And it, a lot of Credit's got to go to Harbaugh because last year he decided Flacco. Bye bye, Flacco. Not gonna, yeah, yeah. Flacco's not going to get better. He's like a statue back there. He's getting <laughs> hit and pummeled unless it's a long, deep throw. He's not going to make it. He took a too. chance. And as much as we talk about high draft picks, let's remember they, they were courageous enough to dra- trade with New England and get the second to last pick in the first round to pick him. Yeah. Yeah, Harbaugh seems to come around and do a good job. I I really think John Harbaugh is the better coach between the two brothers, but Jim Harbaugh's recovered his season pretty good. Um, let's go on to the NHL. You okay with that? Well, well let me throw two st- two statistics to you that two anomalies that I came anomalies. Up with Last yes, week, your word of the week was inane. Yes, and I I copied that and put it on the description of our own podcast. But this week, it's anomaly. Yeah, two anomalies. Uh, the Patriots-Cowboys game, which, you know, the Cowboys have not beat a team with a winning record all year long. In two drives that went into the Patriots' territory, which could have led passing plays that led to first downs, the Cowboys were called for tripping penalties. Yeah, lifting two the leg. Yeah. How, you know how many tripping penalties 
were accepted as penalties all year long <laughs> through every conspiracy, conspiracy game. Patriots. Well, numbers, no numbers. How many tripping penalties do you think were called and accepted all year long? Three. Four. <laughs> so twice almost half as many as the entire season. And the today the NFL office called the Cowboys and said, are bad. Those were incorrect calls, which doesn't change the record. Yeah. Doesn't help them in that same extent. Now, here's where my uh, sobbing will go. Okay. Oh, sobbing. Uh, yeah. Joey Sy is the kicker for, or will soon be the former kicker for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he had a kick with under, uh, with basically less than a minute to go to give the Panthers the lead. It was a 32-yard field goal in their game against the Saints. He missed it. The last time a kicker missed a field goal that short in the last two minutes of an NFL game ben to Terry. tie or take the lead. No, what year? Oh, man, that's impossible. 1988. 2002. Okay. That's how far it's gone back for a kick that short was missed. You're saying you're the worst kicker in the league? Is that what you're saying? Well, he missed two extra points, too, so that pretty much killed our playoff opportunities, what slim hopes we Did had. Did he come from the time. Bears? No, Virginia Tech. <laughs> was just Strangely enough, he's kicked five field goals over 50 yards this year and never kicked one while he was at Virginia Tech. And won't kick anymore because he'll be looking for a job soon. But those yeah. are... Like I said, this is interesting. It's, 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 I find it fascinating how much Tom Brady gripes about his offense. Man, I'd be saying, you, you need to shut up. You've got one of the all-time great defenses, and it may get you to a Super Bowl. But I think he's still bad about A.B. being cut after game one. Yeah, that's a lot of weird stuff going on. I did hear an interview today with James Harrison, who was the great defensive lineman for or linebacker slash defensive line for the Steelers, and he was saying the one season he did play with the Patriots, he was amazed how they had meetings about meetings, that everything was so organized beyond anything he saw any other team, and that uh, the coaches were always working late, which is nothing new, but they would even say, if you come to this meeting, you put down your phone, you do not have it on, that they said they were so detailed and organized that I think it makes sense that Brady says, hey, we're not satisfied in any way who else knows what they need to have to win in the Super Bowl more than Brady? It's fascinating. I saw an interview with Gronk on Fox this weekend, and they were asking him, did he miss football? And he said, well, he missed the football, He, but he did not miss the intense pressure, the micromanaging of being with the Patriots. Love the Patriots, love the championships, love playing, but the oppressiveness of everything being so important in life and death every week. Yeah. He just, he found mentally draining. Yeah. And we're not exactly talking intellectual genius here to start with. But. <laughs> well, just recently the defensive lineman Bennett got released and, and Dallas picked him up. And I think that might've been part of it too. He just like, I don't need all this stuff. And he probably helped his way out the door. Um, let's go on. If you're ready to go on the NHL, cause you, Rarely get to talk about Ernest this early in the season because yes. I'm one of those guys that likes to wait till the playoffs. But this week, Mike Babcock was fired, or last week was fired as the Toronto Maple Leafs coach, former Red Wings coach, former, I think, um, Mighty Ducks coach at one point. Um, Stanley Cup winning coach. Right, both of the Red Wings. But anyways, 
you know, when he was here, he was known as a tough guy, and hockey just lends itself to that. You know, you got to be a tough guy. But it came out that his players at the Red Wings would go to the GM, Ken Holland, try to get him fired, and the same thing happened in Toronto. But this time in Toronto, Shanahan listened, and they had a bad start because Babcock supposedly played mind games. He called them names, his players. Um, he did different things with players he thought he was soft. Um, he was just basically a tough old jerk. And I'm thinking, hey, that sounds like a lot of coaches I had a long time ago. I mean, is this just a sign that we're in a stage where professional athletes are not going to put up with the old-fashioned mind-control type coaches? I think with the with social media and the ability that most players are paid much, much more than players are, and the disposability of coaches. Yeah, I think you're seeing it. And the hockey, we've always seen that. I mean, you, you've seen coaches fired after winning Stanley Cups within four or five games. They try to get that, that juice or that bump after firing a coach. But, yeah, I mean, the Marinette type of coach, the, the atypical Bobby Knight, Vince Lombardi, you don't really see that. You don't see that in the NFL. I mean, Belichick is more aloof than than a marionette type of thing. But mm-hmm. I, just, I just don't think you can do that. I mean, it's different sensibilities nowadays. You can't say certain things. You can't say certain words. But coaches, when I had them, when I played hockey and uh, one year of football and baseball, especially my hockey coaches would play a little games with me. I was the goalie, and they would um, – make comments just to get me mad or they would try to say, you know, what's wrong with you and things like that. And it did get me riled up and it led to, I think remember one time on the practice ice, just me screaming at the head coach and he looked there sort of happy that I was really pumped up. But I mean, I was nervous. I was going to get kicked off the team at that point. Um, So who do you think has been like the roughest I don't say dirty coach, but the roughest old school coach you can think of. Frank Cush with the Colts and, and Arizona State was pretty bad. I mean, he would pull players by their face mask. He would knee them. Uh, I mean, those who physically abuse, and there have been ones that do that. I think a big change you've seen, particularly in high school, is, is most coaches are educators, and you get fired for that type of physical abuse these days. But nowadays, it, it, because there are so many schools recruiting against even high schools recruiting. You can't project that negative persona because guys will leave. I mean, the transfer portal now guys will in college, they'll leave and they'll play somewhere else next year. I mean, that the, the successful college coaches are CEO types. I mean, you, you look at Cal at, Kentucky and basketball and, and Roy at UNC and Coach K, they're they're above the fray. They're they're CEO coaches, even in college football. Well, I know Saban can be pretty like ticked off and in people's but faces. But it's more sarcastic. I mean, he's not gonna grab a guy, he's not gonna lay high hands on a guy. Like Brian Kelly did a few times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kelly's had to tone it down because of the cameras zero on him and the sidelines and the lip readers figuring out what he's going to say. <laughs> that even I, mean, I could I, read that. Oh you know, yeah. I mean, I grew up at a time my coaches would say, uh, would use language that was racially charged. They use language that, uh, were now gender politics would not would say in politics or challenge and, your manhood. 
Yeah, well, that's what I was trying to do. I was getting around that. I mean, that would that would question your masculinity. I mean, that's just and you that's fireable offenses nowadays. You, right. you just can't use that as a motivational tool. And the same thing with with the pros. I mean, the guys are making a lot more. They can threaten to leave. And coaches, I mean, I can't think of any coach professional in any of the big four that is the the Bobby Knight. Uh, Bill Parcells would not be successful nowadays. No. The, the things that he was doing. And again, I think that's that's a societal change. I don't think it's indicated in sports. So just you, you just can't do those types of things. And yeah, I, you know, uh, uh, Lombardi famously, when his center came in and wanted to do his contract, he brought in an agent. He was the first Packer to bring in an agent. And Lombardi said, excuse me for a moment, and came back and said, uh, I'm not doing this negotiation anymore because I've traded you to Philadelphia. You need to talk to them. Wow. Well, let's, that leads and, and to owners, owners you're famous too. for stories. So I actually have yes. two or three stories. I'll tell one. You can tell one. So this is the new okay. segment, Story versus Story. Oh, Ready? Yes. Well, the first story for a tough coach comes from, uh, I hate to say his name, Urban Meyer. I didn't say <laughs> Urban Liar this time. So um, Urban Meyer was asked about Woody Hayes, and he, he said that Woody Hayes, the famous old tough coach, coach for Ohio State who punched a Clemson player when he came on the sideline during the Gator Bowl. Anyways, Charlie Ballman. Charlie so, Ballman. So Urban Meyer says that Woody Hayes used to say that he let a snapping turtle latch on to his Woody to get him motivated, if you get my drift. And then later, oh, wow. Meyer made a statement that he was just exaggerating. <laughs> that would be painful. Let me just put it that way. Wow, there's so many... Uh... Over the period of time, there's been some things that looking back, and I can go way back further than you do. There was a coach, Bill Dooley at Carolina, that when they used to do the uh, drills, the uh, Oklahoma drill, uh-huh. that they would make it do it under a uh, a barbed wire fence. Gee. And and again, coaches back then would not let you take water breaks because if you drank water, that was a sign of, of weakness. And, and guys would be not, you know, hit woozy from concussions and it would keep them with a game to show their toughness in that respect. Um, well, I have two more stories. One is a sleazy story and one's a funny story. Okay. So the next one, uh, sleazy story, Tommy Tuberville, when he was a coach with Texas tech, that was a short lived, uh, match not made in heaven. Uh, he was known for recruiting, not always squeaky clean. And one time he was out with a recruit and for Texas tech, he was at dinner he got up to go use the bathroom, and then he didn't come back. <laughs> and the next day, the recruit found out that he was the head coach at Cincinnati. That's pretty brutal. Left the ticket with the recruit. Was that like Bobby Petrino when he was with the Falcons, and he took the job at Louisville hey. and left a note tacked up in the locker room? Yikes. I will no longer be your coach. I have taken the job at Louisville. And there were like two games left in the regular At least he season. left a note. Yeah, he was really personalized. (laughs) Petrino, the same person that um, got in a motorcycle accident with his girlfriend, he was married at the time, and then tried to blame the accident that she was riding by herself. The motorcycle was donated by a booster. Listen, the worst is, and I cannot remember his, oh yeah, David Bliss. David Bliss was the basketball coach at Baylor. And one of the players of the basketball team got missing. You can look this up. I'm not making this story up. It'll sound like something off NBC Dateline. 
And the Don't player got alone. missing. Yeah, the, the player got missing and was uh, found out he was murdered by one of the other players because of a bad drug deal. And Bliss tried to cover it up. He tried to cover up that the kid was dead, that he was missing, Jeez. because his fear of being fired. This is, you know, uh, between him and Art Bryles, Baylor's reputation, a good Baptist school as a Baptist, I will back them up, has, has it just shows the sleaze. I mean, look at what Bryles covered up 10 domestic violence yeah. incidents with his players. Then you had Larry Nasser at Michigan State. All right, well, let's move on. Once you hit okay, Larry, Larry Nasser, I, I want to move sorry. on. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to. We don't have the physical violence these days. All right, I got What coaches will do to keep their jobs. Yeah, it's are, crazy. I think it's worse than some of the on player violence we saw in the 60s and well, 70s. Well, let's switch Boy. to a coach that you love. And okay. You will love, and you will be able to name this coach right away. Uh, back in 1994, this coach nicknamed Florida State as the Free Shoes University for the oh. recruiting violations. Steve Superior. Yeah. Steve I just finished reading his autobiography. That's so awesome. Yeah, not Florida State. Uh, well, it's Free Shoes University over there. Yeah, Free Shoes. Oh, there's a lot of them. The, the, the one I used to love was, uh, you know, the big rival was uh, University of Tennessee. Mm. And he would go to the Boosters Club, and he freely said in his autobiography, he, he just did it to have fun. He, he knew to poke. Uh, he yeah. knew to poke the bear. And uh, because Florida took the Eastern Division of the SEC three years in a row, yeah. the runner-up used to go to the Citrus Bowl, which is a lower-level bowl in Orlando. And Steve Spurrier used to say, well, you, you can't say spell Citrus Bowl without spelling UT. <laughs> nice. He has I mean, a lot uh, of great quotes. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just, again, and it's, it's surprising as a guy who's very, very big on his his Christianity and his faith and everything. But, uh, and he's a person that just basically said coaching was not going to be the end all. And that kind of caught up with him when he was with the Redskins. Unfortunately, when he was with the Redskins, the general manager was the owner, Daniel Snyder. And we know how well it works when owners are GMs of teams. Yeah, not well. But uh, he's, like I said, he, he's the only coach in college football to win over 200 games at two separate schools. And yeah. he did that at uh, South Carolina and Florida. And yeah. actually had a late start to coaching. He was 45 before he had his first team, which was Duke University. Yeah, he did well there. All right, our next big topic moving on to is the NBA, and I know you love to talk about it. And so I have um, a question for you. We're already about maybe, what, a fifth through the 20% through the year now? That's a quarter maybe, 25%. Okay, maybe. so we have the big duos this year. It's not the <laughs> triple threats. It's, you know, who's the best duo as of now? Is it LeBron and Anthony Davis? Is it Kawhi and Paul George? Or is it Greg Harden? And Russell Westbrook, or are you going to go off the board and pick somebody else? I'm going to go off the board. Off the board. Okay. Luka Dokic yeah. and Christos Porzinas. Is that really a duo, or is that really one being so much better than the other? I think both of them together, the whole of both of them. I mean, the, the only group close to that is Westbrook and Harden. Uh, Lillard and McCall – 
McCall, CJ McCall column has been hurt most of the year. Uh, David's favorite player, Ben Simmons and Joel and B. <laughs> Simmons finally hit a three pointer. I, I hey, thought that was a hey, holiday. I thought I was going to play the know. lottery. Yes. Uh, Middleton and, and Giannis. You got Jokic and Murray, which I don't think Murray really fits in that level. Uh, in, in your backyard, you got Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, but Blake's been injured. I mean, he usually breaks down a couple times during the season. AD and and and, uh, and LeBron. I mean, there's uh, this is good in the extent that I think it makes more teams that that are open for an opportunity to go deep in the playoffs, but. Dockage is just he's, he's had a Lamar Jackson like leap this year. <laughs> That's okay? a good comparison. There you go. I mean, it really has. Now, now, in in fairness, the guy's played professional basketball since he's 15. So he's not truly, you know, he played for Real Madrid. And, and, and so he's been on a professional team for quite some time. But it's it's the about that he's brought that team to the top three in the West right now. And Porzingis is coming off an injury, and he's just a good number two man. But Dockage is – and it's interesting because uh, remember the Mavericks did not draft Dockage. You remember who did? Uh, I don't. The Hawks. The Hawks. Uh-oh. They traded They traded wow. him for Trey Young. That's now they're, crazy. they're pretty happy with him, but that's going to be one of those trades that we're going to look back at. It's like, uh, uh, you know, Dirk Nowinski was actually drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Bucks traded him for uh, Robert Tractor Trailer, <laughs> your great late, the late, yeah, Robert the late, yeah, former Michigan player, yeah, uh, in a trade that they probably regret for a long period of time yeah. to extent, but I, I really, you know, the Westbrook Harden thing right now, it's working out, but I just, you're waiting for that to implode. Leonard yeah. McCollum, we've seen for a while and, and beating Simmons until they get someone to consistently shoot. But you're not talking about Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, they're just starting out really, and they look pretty good together. Yeah, but, to the extent uh, uh, I still, uh, if we're looking past this year, I I like Dockage and Przingis because it's going to get even better. We're we're seeing because you never know. I mean, Kawhi has to have so much of this this and and I hate load the management. Yeah, the load management. I mean, and that brings that up another. That reminds subject. me of going to the bathroom. You know, load manager. Yeah, I mean, I just listen. It's, they're going to do something about this, and I'm afraid. You know what they're talking about by the uh, what will be the 75th anniversary or the hundredth hundredth no 75th anniversary year, which is 2022, I think 2021, uh-huh. 2022, is cutting back the number of games to 78. Yeah. Yes. Playing this this November tournament, which no one will care about. <laughs> no, they won't. And then letting the eight nine seed. That's the, the soccer like seven, influence eight. coming in because soccer <sighs> likes to play those mid season tournaments and things like that. But if I just mentioned soccer, I might have lost some of our. Yeah, I mean, I, I, how do you feel about it? As I don't like this. Yeah, I, I don't. I think I want to ask you just to say right now who's going to be the in the finals NBA. Let's do way too early prediction. Way too early. Uh, Sixers Clippers. Ooh, really? Okay. 
All right. I think I think the 76ers will trade for somebody. They'll get a, a consistent three-point shooter. I think Boston's already talked about they're going to trade. Yeah. Boston has a lot of great pieces, but I don't think the the, the sum doesn't fit the whole of their pieces, so to mm-hmm. speak. All right. I mean, Kim Kimba's already had injury problems, and I think they don't have consistency at center yet. Okay. Sixers, I think, will trade for a six for a three point shooter. I, I still like I like the Clippers defense, uh, but Paul George will probably break down too. I guess yeah. that's why we're going to load match. I'd rather them go to seventy two or sixty six games, and mm-hmm. and not and and forget this stupid every turn. game matters sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, reduce the number of games, but it means the players would have to take a reduction in salary. I don't know how the Players Association would take that, but reduce the number of games. Instead of starting the season in mid-October, let's let's wait to Thanksgiving. Well, one thing I don't want to reduce is my Thanksgiving food, and that's my transition to our Thanksgiving sports trivia. Hey, I promised it at the very beginning. We're 30 minutes into this podcast, and we're going to get to sports trivia, so... I'm going to try to stump the great Ernest Watts here. Uh, I think he knows a lot of this, and if he doesn't know, we'll, we'll give him a pass because I just looked on the Internet like any fool can do. So we all know that Detroit Lions always play on Thanksgiving Day. Ernest, do you know what year they played their first Thanksgiving Day football game? It was before World War II. I'm taking a wild shot, say 32. Ooh, close. 1934. They hosted oh, okay. the Chicago Bears, and then the first year it was um, – oh, that game was broadcast on NBC Radio, making it the first national football broadcast. Do you know uh, the last year they did not play on Thanksgiving? Was the during World War II, 1945. 1974. Ooh, what was 74? 74, the Cardinals played – uh, the second game Cowboys always have played since yeah. Cowboys come to existence in 60, but the Cardinals played it for some reason. I don't know why, but Detroit did not play that year. That might've been 74 might've been the first year of the silver dome. It was that about 74 when they moved in the yeah, silver. That dome? sounds about right. Yeah. So, you know, which, which, you know, they used to play in a lot of you younger fans do not, they used to play in tiger stadium, right? Which used to be Briggs stadium before that. Yeah. And, uh, but now that yeah, and uh, they played Oakland in seventy one, seventy two, and that was the, up until when they played uh, the Cowboys was the last time they wore white uniforms. All right, all. smarty pants. I got another tough okay. question for you. Okay, are there any NFL teams that have never played a Thanksgiving game? I'll tell you, I there's see, one. Oh guys, I was going to say yes. Um, Only one not, hasn't. Wow. 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 See, I got him, folks. He doesn't know this answer. Texans? No, you're Jacksonville Jaguars. They're the, the only Jaguars. NFL. You might as well call them the okay. London Jaguars as much as they play over there. But they've never been on Thanksgiving. Okay. Which team has the best overall well, winning? Well, that brings up what's the well, only well. team not to play in England? Uh, Cowboys? No, Cowboys have played in England. I don't know then. Who? Green Bay Packers. Ah, they can't afford it, or they don't want to move. They just far. just haven't happened yet. Ah, that's, we're talking exhibition games all time. We're talking any games in England. Green Bay is the only team never to play in England. There you go. Um, so which team has the best overall winning percentage on Thanksgiving? It's not the Cowboys or the Lions. It's 
one of their most common opponents for the Lions? Bears? No, the Vikings are 5-1 and Vikings. One on Thanksgiving Day. So they pretty much beat up the Lions on Thanksgiving. All right, here's another one that you'll like because this person has the record for the most rushing yards on a Thanksgiving game, and it's not somebody in the last 20 years. It's past that. Oh, my. OJ. You're right. 273 yards against the – I remember that game in 1976. That was crazy. Yeah. They've given away all these things, like what was it, the turducken? Yes. The John Madden used to have it was a duck inside a – what was it, a, a chicken tur- inside a – go ahead. You, it's you, a probably- chicken inside of a duck inside of a turkey. And then Sims gave away the iron, which was an old flat iron. Yeah. The Iron Man Award. And Lame. now they're, you know what they're doing this year? Uh, iPads with a picture of a turkey. I don't know. No, it's a WWE wrestler's belt. Ah. Okay. Uh, ah. You're, more, you're, you're more forgiving about that than I have. All right. Here we go. Let's... Another quiz for you. Okay. Who holds the record for the most passing yards in a Thanksgiving game? My goodness. Well, it's going to be the recent period. Mm-hmm. Well, sort of. Sort of, he says. Yeah. And it's one of the teams that uh, plays regularly on Thanksgiving. Oh, my. Not Tony Romo. No, no. Uh, Aikman? Yeah, Aikman threw for 455 yards passing against the Vikings, their only loss on Thanksgiving Day in 1998. Do you know, it's it's... Interesting how even today he won three Super Bowls, and I think he's underrated. Of the triplets, more credit is given to uh, Smith. I think it's his and, personality is not flamboyant as much as uh, the other two are. Well, then again, the running back, Emmitt Smith, is not a very flamboyant guy. So, Anyway, so we're moving on. to We're going to expand this trivia a little further out, folks, to just Thanksgiving in general. Um, Ernest, in 1953, Swanson developed the frozen turkey Thanksgiving meal, <laughs> TV dinner. Okay. Do you know the reason why they invented the TV dinner in 1953? Uh, I've eaten more than my fair share of them. <laughs> uh, I would say because maybe women were entering the job market. It was a fast way of preparing dinner for families. Well, first of all, I have to explain what a TV dinner is because a lot of kids have never seen it. It's when they took an aluminum foil tray and they filled it with food and then they put another piece of aluminum foil on top of it and you put it in the oven for like 20 minutes and then pull it out and then you had in little compartments your turkey, your stuffing, and none of it was great, but it was edible. And the reason Swanson came up with a TV dinner is because they had 26 extra tons of turkey that year. And so they decided to slice it and package it with some vegetables and sell it on its own. Hey, I'm going to get more contemporary for our listeners. It was prehistoric MREs. <laughs> MREs, what the militaries eat when they're out. Yes, yes, yes. Prepackaged food. Yes. And I remember eating those. And the other day I had a banquet, uh, chicken pot pie, which is barely a pot pie. And, you know, it's like 89 cents and it's, uh, yeah, clog your arteries for at least a day or two. Sodium content is probably more than a (laughs) box of Morton salt. Yes. All right. Ernest, here's another thing. On Black Friday, it isn't just busy for retailers. It's the busiest day for this profession 
of the handyman trade? Plumbers? <laughs> you are right. It's yeah, the busiest day of year for plumbers because not only of what happens after you eat it, but before <laughs> you eat it, people plug up their kitchen sinks and disposals trying to get rid of all the extra food and skin and all that kind of stuff. So, so we're basically saying uh, dressing and cranberry sauce is not water-soluble. <laughs> well, the funniest part is the plumbers call it Brown Friday. So there you go. <laughs> All right, the last little trivia about Thanksgiving is sort of sad and uh, sort of a public service announcement here. Thanksgiving Eve is the largest bar night of the year. More people flock to the bar on that night than any other time of the year because they're just so down and out. So, folks, don't do that. Find somebody to hang out with. Um, I remember I was all by myself down in um, Georgia. I was a single guy, and I just knocked on my neighbor's door. I barely knew his name. Met him three times. Hey, you want to have Thanksgiving with me? He says, yeah, that'd be great. So if you're alone this Thanksgiving, reach out to somebody. Somebody else is in the same shape as you are. Or if you're that lonely, there are plenty of soup kitchens that need help. So go down and help these folks give out food for people a lot worse off you financially. And you'll be able to see that, you know, your life is not as bad as you are. Make some friends perhaps. Yeah. Before we get off Thanksgiving, uh -oh. We were talking cowboys. Yeah. You know, you we've talked in the past. You have about the uh, odds of Lincoln Riley maybe perhaps being the next cowboy coach, which yes. I don't think will happen. Which brings up an interesting question. Who is the last college coach with no pro football experience to be successful in the NFL? And I've already given you a clue there to start with. The last college coach that mm -hmm. would no purely coach, no pro experience, to be successful in the NFL. Yes. Um. Wow. Got to go back. Got to go back. I'll, I'll give you a hint. He won a Super Bowl. He won he, further back, and he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. It can't be John Madden. Um. Madden was a pro coach before the whole he time. So somebody was yeah. totally a college coach. Went straight uh, from college, no experience. Jimmy in the Johnson. After Jimmy Johnson. Right team, wrong coach. Oh, Barry Switzer. Yeah, Barry Switzer is the last one. We talk about all these wonderkins. I don't know. I would call Oklahoma sort of a pro team with well, he was coached there. All the stuff has come out about him. Yeah, Anyways. well, but you know, a lot of people I know some of you in our audience are saying good old Mr. Carroll over at Seattle, but you seem to forget that he was the head coach at New England. He wants to forget Jets. that too. Yeah, he wants to forget too before he went to Southern Cal. So the idea of a guy transitioning from college to pro, I, I just don't think that can be done. And again, and uh, you know, we I just don't think Mr. Garrett's going to be coached as long as the general manager, who's in pretty good with the owner these days. Jerry Jones is going to allow him to. I don't know many guys who are going to come in to exceed to having the owner be the general manager. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also have some uh, Thanksgiving humor in honor of one of our co-hosts, Nate, who likes to do dad jokes ad nauseum. Um, so uh, what do you call a running turkey, Ernest? My gracious, a running... Uh, Fast food, uh, buddy. 
Fast food. Okay. All right. What happened I, when I the turkey the got? Thing. What happened when the turkey got into a fight? Uh, he got see. the stuffing knocked out of him. Stuffing knocked out of him. Out of yeah. him. Boy, and then, yes. Here's a true story. A guy called the Butterball Thanksgiving Turkey Talk Line to tell the operator that he was so happy that he cut his turkey in half with a chainsaw, but he wanted to know if the oil from the chain would adversely affect the turkey's taste. <laughs> just just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's a little extra grease. And now, then Irma Bombeck, like- the famous writer, said, I came, I come from a family where gravy is considered a beverage. Is that your family or two, Ernest? Yeah, they love the gravy. But then that brings up some choices about Thanksgiving we need to talk about. This is true. Now, Stuffing, you like it outside or inside the bird? From inside the bird or outside? Both. Oh, you got to make a choice. Don't be a I like it inside better because it's moister. I thought you were going to ask stuffing versus cornbread dressing. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. right. Choices. Because we have both lived in the north and the south, and we both know there's differences with Thanksgiving. See, I like my dressing on the outside, and I like it to the extent dry. I like it where I could break it off, put it in my pocket, eat it later. Halftime during the football game. <laughs> okay, now you get to hit me up with a choice. Either All right. or. All right, cranberry sauce, yay or nay? Oh, definitely. I love the cranberry. Yeah. I you used to not like it, but it. man, it's so good, especially even a, a sandwich afterwards where you put a little of everything on a sandwich with turkey meat and the cranberry and stuffing and everything. Boom. Well, it's, it's a good palate cleanser because you have the, you know. Are we talking the, the plumber now again? Well, no, not that type of, but, but you know, with the taste, you've got the uh, the moistness of the meat. Yes. And then you have the three bean salad and you mm. have the dressing, a lot of sodium in there. Hey, the three and bean the, casserole was invented by Campbell Soup to sell more of their soup. I thought it was to sell the onion, the dried onions on top. <laughs> That's what everybody scoops off. They take the top off. They take the French yeah. onion. But the cranberry is a nice palate. I mean, you eat it, and, and you get the taste of the dressing, the turkey, and they kind of have the same kind of taste to it. But you take the cranberry, and it kind of clears up the, the palate a little bit, the sweetness, the tartness. All right, enough of the palate. All right. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the, the, oh, I get the choices now, right? Yeah, right. right. Okay. Uh, let's go desserts. Pecan pie, apple pie. Uh, or sweet potato pie. We'll throw three in there. Uh, for pecan you. pie, if it's made by Janie Bell Campbell, she was made the awesomest pecan pie down there in North Carolina. I loved it. It was awesome. What's the difference if you make it with Cairo syrup, or if you make it with brown sugar? You can get a different texture and taste to it. Yeah, that's my mother. Out. Yeah, the, my mother used to make it with the Cairo syrup, and it was just to, to this day. And it was a long period after my mother passed. I would smell it. It would emotionally overwhelm me. Mm. But pecan pie, which has probably got more sugar in it than anything. Well, so my daughter does one on her own. She makes a chocolate chip pecan pie for Thanksgiving. Ah. Uh, (laughs) It's like eating a candy bar. It's so awesome. All right, so it's my turn. Your turn. Mashed potatoes or homemade macaroni and cheese? I'm not a mac and cheese lover. What? I mean, I love I love cheese. I knew there was something wrong about you. And I love macaroni. I love them separate. But I would rather have tomato sauce on my pasta than I would cheese. Oh, my gosh. Now, now mashed understand. potatoes is the most bland thing. So with mashed potatoes, I have to have uh, I have to have uh, some gravy to it. I like a potato casserole even better. And that's oh, usually cheese on top? Cheese on it. It's baked. It's a little bit like, it's not potatoes au gratin because it is a casserole. 
Uh-huh. So I love the potato casserole. That's the and I love a pineapple casserole. Oh, my wife does make that pineapple casserole with a little cheese and and oh, that's real good. That's the good stuff. That's 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 those once a year, or if you're lucky, twice a yes. year. You get it Thanksgiving I, and Christmas. I think that's a strange food to a lot of people, but down in North Carolina, that was a regular go-to on the buffet lines at church. Boy, you just wanted to get that before it was gone, and they put a little of Ritz crackers on top. Mm, man. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right. So what about uh, sweet potatoes and yams? Do you like it when they put marshmallows on there or not? Don't, don't like them. Do not like sweet potatoes or yams. And to this day, people can't tell me the difference between a sweet potato or a yam. <laughs> I don't like sweet potato fries. That is a, a, a uh, to me, that's messing up something that's universally accepted French fries in that right. extent. All right. Turkey meat, dark meat or white meat? Oh, white meat's tender. But it's not that's as the old, tasty the as Bob, the dark oh, meat. That's the old Bob Hope line because there's a movie where Bob Hope, where he's in the UN, they asked him about turkey and he says the white meat's tender. I like the white meat. I'm not a brown meat. I mean, the white meat. Both of them have that trip to pan, so you're going to be sleepy before halftime at the Lions game where they do tribute to UNICEF or whatever it is. That, <laughs> yeah, I know. Have, it's ridiculous every they time. They have Stevie Wonder. Look, a thousand Stevie Wonders halftime review. Yeah. Uh, well, they salute don't do that as much downtown, now. Salute to downtown Detroit. They'll have guys with guns and masks come running through. So are we uh, missing any Thanksgiving food here? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Uh, the bread type, do you want uh, the rolls or the croissants? Oh, a yeast roll, definitely. Yeast roll, not the Hawaiian. Was it the no, Hawaiian? No, no, no. Roll? I don't. No, I like it when you had to. Somebody takes it out and they let it rise and they bake it. <laughs> like those steakhouses have those yeast rolls. Mm. Okay, cakes. We got pineapple upside down cake. We Ooh. have chocolate layer cake. Uh, we have pound cake. Oh, a pineapple upside down is just. I I've spent a lot of money one time. I don't remember what it was, but we were doing a, a fundraiser at church, and I think I spent like thirty dollars. For a pineapple upside down cake, one time up here in Michigan, because I just love it. Mm. Yeah, I'm good with the pineapples, which I do like the chocolate layer, especially a 17 or 16 or 15 layer cake. That's I ridiculous, man. Not... <laughs> oh, that's all. That's just icing. That's just all it is. That, that's the bad thing. I mean, <laughs> let's face. Did you not have the pleasure as a child of licking? The beaters or licking the the little what's the little well if the my spatula? mom was nice enough to turn them off it was pretty tasty yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know you are licking the icing that's that, yeah it's, I don't like pound cake there's no icing ah. and people here down the south love pound cakes and I uh, my wife makes an excellent pound cake she is region wide known for it you haven't it, even mentioned banana pudding do you guys do banana pudding? On I'm Thanksgiving not, or I other like, times. I like bananas, but I don't like banana-flavored stuff. No, actually, banana, you make it with vanilla p- pudding with the bananas. Then it's vanilla them. pudding. It's not really banana. I mean, bananas aren't that sweet as banana You've got to put cake. it in the refrigerator overnight to, so that everything comes together good. But I think we've totally lost our audience by now, maybe. I no, they're hungry. They're, they're looking <laughs> for I'm food. I'm hungry now. just talking to you. All but right, so gravy. All the choices. Preference on gravy here? Any it's just uh, gravy's gravy from a jar, or do you? No, I gotta no, no, to make no, no, it from no, no. the juices. Homemade. No, not have a yeah. jar. Yeah, homemade, homemade dressing. Giblets, I, yes or you, no? put, you put the gravy on your dressing. I don't, oh yes. I, no, no, no. My dressing, like I said, I want it hard as a rock. I put it in my pocket. And you I haven't suffered longer. long enough in this life. You have to eat hard. 
I like it. It's like hardtack in the Civil War. It's so, like unleavened bread. I, I feel I'm, like, I'm back to my my Jewish friends. I have hard. I have unleavened bread in my pocket. Dip it wow. in my coffee, whatever. I, I just oh, so I don't like it soupy. I, I don't want to. I I agree. I don't want my gravy with a straw. I agree. I get it. All right, or I don't want my dressing with. So a straw. around your Thanksgiving dinner, if everybody's there, who's eating the most in your family? Well, of late, I've got a lot of eyeballs on me, so I can't eat that much. I used to two plates and then two or three desserts, but now I just do one of everything. And usually uh, my mother used to buy the cranberry dressing just for me. And so historically now my wife buys the cranberry dressing for me or when I go to my dad's. It's nice. the cranberry. I, I'm the one who gets it. Yeah. And I, like I said, that's something that I share with my mother. But no, one plate and I get one dessert. If I really can sneak in, uh, my sister-in-law makes these wonderful, I love soft cookies. Uh-huh. The, the, what are the oatmeal raisin, the soft mm-hmm. ones? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you know, they're actually motels that I actually stay at just to get the cookies. <laughs> That's just, I'm talking to you, Double Tree. Yeah. Don't forget me, all right? And well, so I'll, I'll, I'll sneak cookies or or I will use the grandchildren uh-huh. as my secret stash. Oh, yes. Come in. yes. Luckily, my wife does not listen to the podcast, <laughs> but I use the grandchildren to, to I'm, I'm I think really, she knows already, Ernest. I think she I, knows. Well, I used to abuse my children because when she would cook broccoli, I would when she would turn away, I would take my broccoli off my plate and put it on my children's plate. That's right. Teach them young, Ernest. Well, that's, we're, that's true. We've filled up our time once again. We've made our audience incredibly hungry. So we're going to get two minutes each here to wish our fan base a happy Thanksgiving. Go ahead, Ernest. Uh, Thanksgiving is one of the two times a year when you're actually able to get your family together and you actually get along for a little bit of time. Really? Uh, we don't really appreciate that every Thanksgiving is a gift because no way that you know that you'll be able to get together again as a group. We all have fond memories as a child, as a young adult. And I mean, Paul's case as an old adult now of Thanksgivings and getting out, tossing the football with the kids, watching the lions lose, watching the Cowboys lose and for entertainment, going to Walmart, and watch people fight for black Friday fights. Uh, again, appreciate the time. It goes by faster. I mean, it used to be they would drag me from ants to uncles all over creation on that day. And now I get to go one place and come home and people come by. And I just like to soak it in. My family gets annoyed to the fact that when we're all sitting at the table together, I go, there's nothing better in the world than this. And I would not want to be anywhere else in the earth that around my family together at one time. Well said, well said. And I think uh, I married a lady from Georgia and I learned from them that it's a great tradition to eat your Thanksgiving meal. And then after that, you grab a pillow, you find a place on the floor or on a couch somewhere, and you take a nice nap. And that is just so awesome. And I sound like an old man just saying that. Um, and now just playing with my grandkids and uh, just enjoying the day. I agree. And then I say it's not too bad an idea to get outside and get some fresh air so you don't totally waste a whole day. And throw the football is always a good thing. And even the littlest kid can pretend like they're running down the field scoring. You can get more excited about your little grandchild running down with a football than you can get anything on TV, definitely. So thanks for listening to Pardon the Confusion. 
Uh, you can listen to us every week, and next week we'll come up with some more podcasts as well. If you have any ideas, send them to me at uh, gobluearnold at gmail.com. And thanks for listening tonight, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Congratulations, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, CFL, Grey Cup champs. Good night, Canada. <laughs> <laughs>